Hello and welcome to Life After Sunday. I'm Ed Petty along with Aaron Allen, and we are so excited that you have joined us today for the long-awaited, much-anticipated episode one. Well, Aaron, here we are. Yeah, I, th- I feel like we need some, like, cheers. I know, I, like, I know. We've been working on it a long time. <laughs> Anyway, well, let's get right to it. I'm going to introduce Pastor Darren. Dr. Biles has served as a professor of preaching and pastoral minister in the School of Theology. Mm-hmm. Previously, he served as a director and professional of doctoral studies and dean of extension education at Southwestern Seminary. In addition, Dr. Biles has served in various denominational capacities, and he has served as a trustee of International Mission Board. Dr. Biles has edited and authored several books, most recently a book in titled After God's Heart, Becoming Who God is Seeking, which is available on Amazon and DarrenJBiles.com. Dr. Biles has lectured at seminars around the world, including Caribbean, Brazil, China, Ukraine, the Philippines, and Western Africa. He has served as an interim pastor in numerous churches in Texas, including Sunnyvale First Baptist Church as our executive pastor for the last two and a half years, and now as of February 20th, 2022, our new senior pastor of Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. Welcome, Pastor Darren. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for the invitation, for that kind introduction. It's a joy for me to be a part of this new podcast. Well, we're going to get started. We've got a lot of questions that we're just going to throw at you and uh, get to know you a little bit better. So, Aaron? Okay, so the first question we want to know is, I mean, this is a basic, you know, Baptist um, when you meet somebody new and they're in the church. So what, what is your salvation story? How did you come to know the Lord? Yeah, well, I was blessed of the Lord to be reared in a Christian home. Uh, both my parents uh, uh, have been involved in ministry all my life, still involved in ministry. And when I was growing up, my father was my pastor. And it was actually my mother who led me to the Lord and uh, shared the gospel with me, and I prayed to receive Christ, and then walked down the aisle and shook my dad's hand and was (laughs) baptized by my father. And so it's just a great privilege for me to to have learned from a very early age about faith, the importance of faith, and, Mm -hmm. and really the difference that Christ makes in our lives. When were you called? Obviously, every minister has a calling. When were you called into the ministry, and how did that come about? I was 12 years old. Again, my father was my pastor, and we had an evangelist. He was a music evangelist who also preached. He has since gone to be with the Lord, but his name was Leon Westerhouse, and he came to a church where my dad was serving as pastor in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and did a series of revival meetings. And so at 12 years old, I believed God had a plan for my life that involved vocational service to the Lord. And and so uh, I I really didn't have a full picture of what that meant. So I I did what I encourage people to do every Sunday. I walked down the aisle and shook my pastor's hand and told him, God's God's doing something in my life. And uh, I've, I've never questioned that decision. I've never doubted that decision. I've never uh, wished I'd done anything else. That's that's just something that really was a marked change in my life. It was mm. so profound that, that to this day, I remember that moment um, uh, knowing God had something for my life. I had the privilege a number of years ago 
at a Southern Baptist convention. My father and I were walking to the convention center for the Southern Baptist convention and saw at a distance Leon Westerhouse. Oh, wow. And we had not seen him in years. And so my dad recounted the story. Did you know my son, Darren, and introduced me and what I was doing and said, he was called into ministry at one of your crusades. And just to see uh, what that meant to him, mm. uh, that how God had used him in my ministry was so profound. And so it's just been an honor for me to be now used in ministry and praying that God uses me like that in someone else's life. At what point did you feel that God called you to actually be a pastor? Well, at 12, my concept of what ministry looked like was pretty limited because <laughs> I, my dad. Right, yeah. And, and so I, I believed at 12 that it would be something like that and, and wasn't really sure what all that meant. And, and I'm not entirely sure now what all that means. Sure. Uh, but I was a freshman at Howard Payne University and uh, had an opportunity to do some preaching at some area churches and, and um, uh, had preached several times at a church near Lampasas, Texas. Yeah. And, and they contacted me sometime near the end of my freshman year, and, and I was going to be gone for the summer. But coming when I came back in the fall, would I be open to being their pastor? And so I was 19 years old, and, and they were calling me pastor, wow. uh, which was a pretty wow. phenomenal experience. But uh, it was just a, a, an honor uh, to, 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 to be used of the Lord 90 miles one way from Brownwood, and we drove down there and uh, preached Sunday morning and Sunday night and drove back to school. And so that was my first experience of pastoral ministry. Wow. So 12 years old, he's being called into ministry. At 19, you are being called pastor, pastor. by the people around you. Yeah. At 12 years old, I am sneaking into the pasture, that, not pastor, pasture, that connected to the backyard of our of our house, and I would sneak back there with my BB gun and shoot my neighbor's cows. <laughs> That's what I was doing at 12 years old, not being called into the ministry. <laughs> so many times you hear these uh, stories, at, and, and I work at a lot of youth camps and stuff, of people being called into the ministry, and you yeah. wonder how it all evolves, because you see the calling, uh, whether it's you know a church or a, a camp or uh, a, a revival or whatever the case may be, it's really interesting hearing the rest of the stories, if you will. Right. Yeah, you know, we use the word calling in a lot of different ways, especially in ministry. And we sometimes in our Christian circles say, well, God called me to ministry. And someone outside of our circle may hear that and really not know what that means. Right. And so when I, when I talk about a calling, I, I actually walk through about three or four ways that we use that. I believe every person is called by God as in extended to be in relationship with God. We are called. And, and in the same way that God said in Isaiah 43, Israel I have called your mind. I believe all believers are called. Um, and then I also believe that as Christians, we are all called into full-time Christian ministry. We are all, all believers, called to full-time Christian ministry. In addition to that, though, I believe that some are called vocationally. So your occupation may be ministry or it may be something else, but your vocation, your calling in life, you are set aside believing God created you for ministry. And then a fourth way we use that would be 
most recently in my life, we're called to a location. So I was called by Sunnyvale First Baptist Church to be the pastor here. So we use that word in that same way. So when I talk about a calling to ministry, I'm talking about a vocational calling that supersedes every other passion, direction, purpose of my life that I believe God created me to serve him in ministry. Yes, yeah, so I, w- I wanted to talk about that idea of calling for a second, because well, we have several, I mean, college students here at the church that are attending Criswell College now, which is where you know, I got my my bachelor's degree. Um, and, so, and they've talked about with me about, you know, I feel called in ministry, which is why I'm there and you know, I'm learning the Bible, those kinds of things, which is great. Um, but then a lot of time, like they don't un- say they, but just most church people don't understand like the term calling at all. And they think it has to be this. I don't know. In, in my experience of the conversations of they're waiting for this voice from mm-hmm. God to tell them what they're supposed to do. Right. Um, and something that I've tried to like not train in them, but to help them understand that sometimes it actually, well, most of the time, it actually looks more like a desire. Mm-hmm that you have that you can't seem to get rid of. Um, and so, and my, my story is always, you know, I've, I've been in vocational ministry since 2016, just only I here at this church since 2018. And since 2016 till now, I've had several times where I've gone home to Emily and said, I can't do this anymore. There, there's just too much like strain or there's, there's all these other kinds of things that are going on. And I've called my, I have, a lineage of people in my family that are pastors or have been pastors. And so I, I call them about a bunch of kinds of things. And um, what I have learned from them is that when they have students or someone in their churches, I feel like I'm called to do this in voc- in a vocational ministry sense. Um, their first conversation with them is to talk them out of it, mm. to show them these are all the things that are going to be required of you and your family. And those are those things that you're willing to, you know, to, mm-hmm. to do. And at the end of those conversations, if it's still yes, and that's how they, then they would affirm that I believe you are called to do this kind of thing. Yeah. Right. If I can't be happy doing anything else, then so God exactly. may yes. have called me that. into this. I've yes. heard several pastors say that exact same thing, that if you can't be happy doing anything else, then that's where you're mm-hmm. supposed to be, whether it's in the ministry or anything in yeah. general. Yeah. yeah. And and that is, and you know, God bless my wife. She is the better of both of us. That is what she tells me anytime I've gone home and done that. She goes, well, what would you do otherwise? But mm-hmm. I would go, I don't know. She goes, exactly, because you'd be being disobedient. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. But I'm just telling you how I feel in the moment. Yeah. You know? That's <laughs> but, right. But well, yeah. I do believe that that a calling to ministry begins with the Holy Spirit implanted desire. Mm-hmm. I believe it starts there. Look, I tell students, if you don't want to be in ministry, God's probably not called you to be in ministry. If you don't right. like people, if you don't like studying the Bible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's right. kind of a biggie. If you don't yeah, like yeah, doing yeah. these things, it's probably not for yeah. you. Talking to people a Talking lot. Talking to yeah. hanging yeah. around people. Yeah. It, it, it works in coordination with a conviction that I believe God set me aside. And then there's a process of affirmation from the local church, of confirmation from gifting that right. I believe God has given to me to prepare me for what God has. And all those things sort of form a conversation. So I don't mm. I don't know how God speaks to everyone else. God does not speak to me audibly. Uh, to right. my knowledge, I, I have never seen an angel. Uh, I don't right. I don't get visions. God does not speak to me in dreams. Mm-hmm. And so you then say, well, how, how, did God, how did God tell you that? And so it's a process for me. And when you look at the call narratives in Scripture, they're all unique. Not everybody had an Isaiah experience mm-hmm. in ministry. Some right. of them are pretty mundane. Right. Some of them 
are dramatic, like Ezekiel. Some of them, like Amos, I was doing this, and God asked me to do this, and I was just obedient. And I think, really, that's that's how God in his creativity hmm. communicates yeah. himself to us, whether it's through his word, through the confirmation of the body, through the inspiration of the Spirit of God, or a combination of all of those. When I stand and say, God told me this, right. I want to say it with certainty that, that, that I'm... I'm I'm setting aside every other desire, preference, wish, because I believe. In the same way that I say of my salvation, I'm staking my eternal destiny Mm. on the fact that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. I believe that so much, I'm willing to stake eternity on it. There was I'm I'm actually doing a study right now um, on a prayer and God speaking to you, and just yesterday the narrator said... (laughs) It could be as simple as you hit your head, and that's God trying to get your attention. Mm. You know, mm. I mean, you never, to your point, you never, <laughs> right. God can speak in different ways, and it so, could be the heavens opening up and a hallelujah moment, or it could be something as simple as hitting your head and going, hey, I'm trying to show you something. Yeah, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 1, God spoken through a variety of means. I mean, God spoke through a donkey in the Old Testament. God spoke through a hand writing on the wall without a body attached to it. I mean, God spoke through any number of means. Now, most recently, God's spoken to us through his son, through his word. Right. And so I believe that any word that I believe God has said to me needs to be consistent with what the word of Absolutely. God already says. Mm-hmm. And so I line that up. And so when people say to me, God told me to buy a car or God told me to <laughs> marry this person, <laughs> sometimes I say, how did God tell you that? Right. right. What, what did God do? And so if I'm going to invoke God's name in a conversation, I want to make sure that I have a reasonable certainty that, yeah, God really did say that. Right. Absolutely. Um, What degrees do you have and where'd you get them from? I have uh, two degrees from Howard Payne in Bible and in uh, history. I was a double major at, at Howard Payne University. And uh, from Howard Payne, I went to Southwestern Seminary where I got a Master of Divinity and a PhD. So my PhD is in Old Testament. And uh, so I wrote my dissertation on the history of the solemn assembly in the Old Testament that that we see most clearly in the book of Joel. But it was really out of some of those early classes that I had in the Old Testament that I just began to develop a love for the study of the Bible, especially the study of the Old Testament that's really become uh, a journey of, of a lifetime for me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So how long, that's going to be a two-part question. So how, how long have you and Jay, your wife, been married? And then how did y'all meet? Jay and I have been married 34 years. We met at Howard Payne. Um, uh, my wife was in the music program, and I was in the Bible program. My brother was also in the music program, so she knew my brother. They they sang in choir together and, and were already friends. And my January of my freshman year, I was in the dorm. I'd like to say I was studying, but I don't think I was. I, I think I was playing ping pong or something else, but, but, but I'm Amen. sure it was important. Uh, and we hear a whole bunch of commotion, and someone comes in, and they find me and said, you need to go outside. And my brother had gotten in a motorcycle accident. Oh, no. Uh, he still rides motorcycles, but he was doing something crazy. 
right outside the 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 dorm uh, area and and uh, uh, got in a pretty serious car accident, uh, motorcycle accident, and uh, the motorcycle kept going, so we didn't know immediately it was a motorcycle accident. So he was he was just in the road. It's about ten o'clock at night, and Jay was driving back to campus and found him. So we met on the side of the road at the scene of my brother's motorcycle accident. <laughs> wow. And so uh, we uh, really met in the hospital. I mean, yeah, we are right? on the side yeah. of the road, yeah. but we're in the hospital. Yeah. Hi, Darren, by the way. Darren. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not like that. It's like a soap opera <laughs> meeting. Yeah. <laughs> As your brother's laying in bed. <laughs> dee, dee, dee. Yeah. The most beautiful woman in the world walks in the door. What are you doing after? Yeah. You want to get some lunch? Yeah. No, yeah. it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that, but we did meet and, and we developed a friendship from there and, 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 and then realized that the, the Lord had brought us together. So wow. my brother still takes credit for that. So, oh yeah. So presumably he's okay. That's, that's doesn't great. doesn't matter how it happened. Okay. I, st- I got y'all together. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, that's an interesting story. That's crazy. If you could watch one movie for the rest of your life, what would it be? Okay. Um, so Princess Bride. Really, is, wow, that's is probably one of my all-time. I've never seen it. Favorite. By the way. You don't know about the ROUSs. You uh, really need to see Princess Bride. <laughs> okay. Stop whatever movie or TV yeah, you're watching. Yeah. You're doing and yeah. rent Princess Bride as you wish. As you wish. Uh, so so randomly, uh, either Jay and I or some friends who we know uh, watch Princess Bride. We'll just randomly quote movie lines from yeah. the Princess Bride. So if I had to choose one. It would there probably be Princess Bride. I mean, I've Bride. definitely heard of it. That's the one that Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm a huge wrestling fan. I there mean, no go. bones about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Okay. I definitely. You weren't ready was, for that one, were you? No, you I was not. A conspiracy. It was yeah. not. He's like, it's <laughs> Chariots of Fire. Yeah. It's kind of like, like E.T. Yeah, Chariots of Fire. <laughs> or, you know, one of those other biblical movies or whatever. <laughs> so, wow, that's interesting. Uh, never mess with a Sicilian one. Death is on the line. Death is on the line. That's right. Um, okay. So. That one and then these next couple are going to be ones we'll ask to the rest of the staff also because I want to get a consensus of where everybody is on these. Um, so are you a, a pineapple on pizza guy or no? Absolutely. Yeah, pineapple absolutely on pizza. Uh, when I go to Mod Pizza, I, I walk in and get the thicker crust yeah. and get any kind of meat that they can put on there, extra cheese, a little bit of corn, sweet peppers, and Pineapple. Amen. It's really, the best Amen. way to have pizza. There you go. I don't Can't know. understand why uh, nobody else would see that. I don't. <laughs> I, I'm a picky eater <laughs> so, too. I mean, I only. Really I don't know if that's going to cause a church so, split or not. Yeah, but so <laughs> Die Hard. Die Hard is a Christian movie. Uh, it's a Christmas movie. Christian. Not Christian. It's a Christmas movie. Okay. Well, yeah, explain question. that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yanni is the correct term, and pineapples on pizza. So there you go. Oh, you see, go. I knew I love this guy. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. There I mean, go. come on. I'll take it. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've never heard a good argument for why it's not. I know they, people just say no, it's not. What? It's Christmas no, music. Define exactly it. Right. Yeah, define everything. It. In there. You can't. Yeah, there are definitely Christmas music, uh, Christmas, <laughs> Christmas <laughs> movies that have less Christmas surroundings and themes than right. Die Hard. It's it's there. Amen. It's there. Uh, kind of a twofold here. I'm first going to ask you: Do you have a favorite sport uh, that I play or that I watch? Just in general, football uh, would be my. I was going to say you and watch. I. You and I are real close to age. There's not a whole lot of sports that we play anymore. I get that. <laughs> well, <laughs> at least at a slower pace. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. So football. Football uh, would be my favorite sport to watch, and so I, I look forward to. Do to, you have a favorite football. sports team? Dallas Cowboys. Amen. Wow. Amen. He said that wholeheartedly. Even though he's from well. 
for a time you were for from, a season it was Green Bay Packers yeah, and, and so I still have I still have some affection some for the cheese Packers. head affection still, yeah. uh, do you, do you have a, have you actually wore a cheese head I have worn a cheese head I do not currently own one but I, I have worn <laughs> a cheese head yes okay well I know what your next gift is going to be <laughs> for your office. <laughs> You need to tie that into a sermon somehow. <laughs> Just walk out. up there. Yeah. With oh, it. no longer a cheese head. Yeah. Now a cowboy. Uh, so Make sort of work. a sense of a transition. In yeah, the correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. From death to life. I'll pray about From that. From death yeah. to life. <laughs> Even though right now the French, it'd be the other way around. But you know, say, I think the uh, Packers are winning more than the Cowboys <laughs> right now. So uh, what is your favorite breakfast food? Okay, so breakfast food's pancakes. Uh, okay. When, when, uh, when, uh, I want breakfast food, which is pretty often. <laughs> right. uh, I want I want pancakes with some creamy peanut butter and dark mm-hmm. caro syrup. That's just really good living for me. Right wow, now. my so son pancakes. puts peanut butter on his pancakes. Peanut butter, dark caro. Which one? Just Jonathan. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He he did it while we were when we were on our trip not too just a couple of weeks <laughs> oh, ago. Really? We're down sitting down pan, having pancakes and he gets out peanut butter. I'm like. All right. I mean, I've seen it, but I'm not going to like go get it and put it on. Are you the follow up question? Are you the type of person that you can eat, that you eat breakfast any, like it doesn't have to be breakfast? Absolutely. Anytime. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, Breakfast is. If I could fit it right now, I would do that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I'm a, I'm a French toast guy. Are you? Yeah. I love it. Is there a Also with peanut butter. Yeah. Well, it's good. Yeah, that's true. Is there a particular like restaurant that you like to get breakfast food at? If you could pick one. Uh, Number I like, one, uh, I like Cracker Barrel. I like uh, I like IHOP. I drove by the Waffle House this morning and almost pulled in. <laughs> Frankly, I like my own pancakes better than just about anybody's. All but, right. but but Cracker Barrel is probably high on my list. Yeah, those are good, and their their syrup is good too. Right, I was yeah. say Cracker Barrel is good across the board. I was thinking it's probably IHOP if you like pancakes. IHOP's good. Do you get what? There's one day of the year I think it's Pancake Day that you can get free pancakes. I don't Do you know, take but advantage that'd be a of good that? Day. Yeah, they give. Free pancakes? Yeah, yeah, it's sometime in March because um, I ate at IHOP not too long ago and we missed it. So I just saw the sign still there. But that yeah. has to be so many pancakes. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. Sh- it should be today. So maybe right <laughs> after this, we'll go, we'll go get some We'll go check it out. Pancakes, yeah. We'll right. check it. yeah, it's still March. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, we, got it, we decided to ask the church members. Uh, we did this on our Facebook uh, page. Um, if you had any questions... Uh, that the church members might want to do. So we've got a few of those for you. The first one is, if you could sit down with any one person in the Bible, who would it be, and what would you discuss with them? Okay, so I, I, I thanks for giving me that question ahead of time because I, I had to think on, on that one because I came up with all kinds of fun answers. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> Adam, first guy, what's it like to be the only person on the planet? That'd been that'd be a fun that's, conversation. Hey, it's yeah, a legit yeah. question. Yeah. You know? I thought about that. Yeah. I thought about a guy named Benaiah. Uh, uh, Bible says that Benaiah, one of David's mighty men, went down into a pit on a snowy day, killed a lion. Okay, what are you doing in a pit when it's snowing and... What was it like to kill a lion? So, again, that'd be fun. Huh. Uh, I've done some writing on David. I'd love to sit down and talk with David. Here's, here's the, the best answer that I can think of. The Bible says about Enoch that, that he walked with God, mm. and he was not because God took him. So there was a period of time he and, he and God were just having a conversation, and, and he didn't come back, and God took him. And and the best picture that that I have is you know I heard heard some, an old preacher explain that that they were walking one day and and God said hey 
Enoch, we're closer to my house than yours. Why don't you just come over to my house? <laughs> and, and that's kind of the picture that I have. And what was it like to, to walk with God and to be so close that, uh, that you don't even, you don't even, you, you don't even die. You just keep walking right? Keep and, walking. and just now we're just walking in God's house. So that'd be a really interesting, fascinating conversation with the, that I hope to one day have. Actually, I'll, I'll kind of picture it just like, almost like a movie where they're walking, you know, where they're walking, you right. see them walk through the clouds. There's like, a little light changes. As yeah, you yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just, I think it filled the dreams. Yeah. Like filled the dreams. Disappear. Um, walk into the woods. Yeah. Ghost yeah. when he walks, yes. when he's gone. Right. You know, that's, that's interesting. So follow up to that one. What about a non-biblical person? Okay, so I thought about a number of different people. I think maybe the answer that that I found the the person that I would find most interesting would be Martin Luther, uh, and mm. and his just the courage that it took for him opposing the Roman Catholic Church, believing, reading the Book of Romans, mm-hmm. that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ, and he's willing to really stake his reputation on it and 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 he really did suffer because of his convictions and 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 so i i think um uh, among the many people that are fascinating that i'd love to sit down and talk to mm-hmm. he's probably at the top of my list yeah so uh what was the most frightening moment in your life and how did god get you through it so i think it was 2007 i was at my office at the seminary and I got a phone call from uh, my wife that no parent wants to receive. She had just gotten off the phone with the police officer who was on the scene of an accident with two of our boys, and uh, one of them was not responsive. And uh, and so I'm a long way away from from the hospital, and I'm having this conversation with her, and 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 she's still having trying to have a conversation with the one of our boys that was conscious in the car accident. And, and, uh, so in that moment, I don't know, I don't know anything. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I don't know if they're okay. I don't know if he's alive. And so I, I just get in the car and go to the hospital and I get there at the same time as the ambulance does. And, and, and he was coming to just as I got to the hospital with him. And, 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 uh, so the, the, that was the scariest moment of my life that I can remember. Just, just the the frightening thought of what happens, what if, and all those random thoughts right. that come in. Right. And and you really do in that moment. You just you cry out to the Lord, or as believers mm. we do. Right. I don't know what non-believers do. As believers, you cry out to the Lord. God, I, you know, I I, I can't fix this. Uh, I don't even know what it is. And and so whatever it is, you just trust the Lord and 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 God. Uh, God was was gracious through the Spirit of God. We had friends that met us at the hospital that were comfort for us, and and so I I have seen just the the comfort of the Spirit of God even in my uncertainty. So that's uh, probably the scariest moment of my life. Wow, and is he okay? Yeah, yes. Yeah. I actually, um, and you guys probably know this, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. We we'll talk about me, but I we actually mm-hmm. have lost a child. And, um, I remember, um, the Sunday after it happened, um, he was 21, but the Sunday after it happened, we were sitting there that morning and I looked at Colette and I said, we just need to go to church. 
you know, because you just like you don't you yeah. just don't know what to do. You're so right. numb, right? And and it was it, it had been about six days, five or six days uh, at that point. And I remember somebody coming up to me um, who actually has since lost a child. Uh, well, I'd say child. It was thirty. She was thirty five, but lost in COVID. Well, still and so kid. we, oh yeah. Well, no, to me. No parent, I don't care what the age is, no parent should have to bury a child. Right. Um, yeah. I, I attended a funeral several years ago. The, the man was 60 years old, but his parents were still alive. Wow. Um, but anyway, I remember this man coming up, and this is why I, one of the reasons I had to go to his daughter's funeral, because I remember them ministering to us, but it was at our old church. And he said, just, how are you doing, man? I can't believe you're here. And I said, I'm telling you what, I don't know how somebody could go through this not being a Christian. Wow. Because to your point, you don't know where to turn. You don't know what to do. And there are times that you just need to cry out to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And you do have somebody to get you through that. You know, is it tough? Do I wish I didn't have to go through it? Absolutely. But to be able to turn to the Lord is so huge. Yeah, I've heard someone say God never wastes a hurt. Um, and and you mm. remember the words of Paul in Second Corinthians one that we comfort others with the comfort with which we Absolutely. have been comforted, and and so when you walk through those seasons mm-hmm. and, and we've walked through some not not like that but we we lost a child in pregnancy and mm-hmm. and mm. Um, now many years since mm-hmm. we've had opportunity to counsel young couples who have had similar kinds of things and right. so. No, I don't know what you're going through, but let me tell you what God did for mm-hmm. me. I actually did have a similar experience literally almost one year to the day because I had just come back from Youth Alive, the camp mm-hmm. that I work at. Mm-hmm. Um, it was three days after that happened. And I remember, so fast forward one year later, I'm there, and Tim Lee, uh, the evangelist, looks at me and he says, this is off the microphone, he's like, hey, can I tell your story about a year ago? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so he was basically talking about how you leave camp and you're up on a high and you're, and, but then you got to go back down to the world and you're going to bomb. And right. so he's basically saying, you know, look, we left camp last year. We're all excited, jacked up for God and gets home and Ed's sons dies. Wow. And, and so anyway, we finish the service and we walk off stage and uh, this pastor comes up to a pastor friend of mine comes up. He goes, Hey, I need you to talk. To, can you come talk to somebody? He takes me over and it's a, um, it's a, a, a counselor, you know, it's a, a male counselor and this guy is just weeping, just weeping profusely. He had just lost a son. Wow. And so literally, like I said, almost one year to the day. And I've had, I, when I lost my mom a couple of years later, one of my best friends lost his mom. So absolutely. I do believe that God mm. does that. So you can wow. minister to others. Mm. Yeah. I find these answers fascinating because and uh, the three of us in this room, we're, we're all fathers and I'm still kind of, you know, growing into that role as a, my oldest will be six in May. And so, you know, and I've got three more, you know, in line after that. Um, but someone who, do, and some of our listeners who have children will understand this and those that don't will understand this when they get to this point. But the question was about a moment in your life. And that the answer wasn't about you and your physicality it was about, your children and your child's, you mm-hmm. know, what was going on there. And yet that still affects you in your mm-hmm. life. Right. And that's just funny because before I had children, obviously I wouldn't have said an answer like that. But then after that, when I oh, think yeah. of some things that even yeah. my, my, you know, like I said, my oldest is only six. 
but even some things that they have been through, mm-hmm. like that's my first answer mm-hmm. is, well, it was, it has to do oh, with yeah. them and mm-hmm. it's no longer about, mm-hmm. you know, what is it, whatever's happened to me doesn't matter anymore right now. It's about what they've been through and what I've tri- experienced with them and, and whatever has hurt them the most has hurt me the deepest, you know? Right. Right. You no, know, absolutely. Because we had a similar experience with Benjamin when he got sick, right. you know, and didn't know if he was going to live. And so, right. and of course that was a few years after losing Max. So we're right. like, God, we can't, we can't lose another child, you know, but yeah. again, you just, it's all about your kids and you turn to them. God help me. Yeah. That, that is, yeah. Having, <laughs> having a child and all that that entails were the most God help me moments I've ever had yeah. in my life. Yeah. Having children, continue to have trust them. in God. <laughs> yes. Uh, when, right. when they, when they start driving a car and they're out on I'm their own. Not ready for that. <laughs> I, I got to trust the Lord. And, yeah. and he, yeah. all our kids are out of the house now. Right. But, but, we we still have that. You're you're still their their parents, and you still pray for them. You 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 want to see God do something right in their lives, and and even though you don't have the same direct influence over them, you know it's still that same connection. Yeah. What or who influenced you in the direction of the Old Testament for a PhD? I know we kind of touched on that a little bit yeah. of the history, but when I was in my uh, second year of uh, master's work at Southwestern Seminary, we had a chapel speaker whose name was Richard Owen Roberts. He uh, is a Congregationalist preacher and is is still uh, the president of International Awakening Ministries, and they do national and international revival kinds of movements. And he's written a number of works on revivals, and he had just written a pamphlet that he later made into a book on solemn assembly. So his book, Now Sanctify the Congregation, began in this little bitty pamphlet that he wrote on solemn assemblies in the Old Testament. So he came, spoke at Southwestern Seminary, and I got to be on a panel discussion with him, to to dialogue with him, ask questions of him. And I don't remember prior to that chapel ever hearing the phrase solemn assembly or knowing what it was, or if I saw it, I didn't know what's the difference between a solemn assembly or any other assembly mm. in, in the Old Testament. And so I got a chance to sit down with him. And then over time, as I began to move towards finishing my master's work and going into Old Testament, uh, uh, they, they want you to narrow in on a topic. And, and so I just had a not just a love for Old Testament, but now a fascination mm-hmm. with this. And so I had a chance to visit with him uh, on the phone and and and, and by, by letter and read through his work and, and just became fascinated with that towards not just the information of, okay, God did something great, but what would it look like if God did something like that again? And that right. kind of became the passion. So, okay, here, yes, there's a historical development of a spiritual awakening kinds of movement in the Old Testament. But what would it look like if God did another great awakening? I'll be honest with you. I've never heard that term until today. So all right, <laughs> I've learned something. There you go. Solemn assembly. Well, the way the Bible describes the solemn assembly, it starts as the last day of the festival of weeks. It's part of the festival of tabernacles. Okay. And over time, the solemn assembly became a separate spiritual awakening kind of movement. You see it at the dedication of Solomon's temple. Uh, 
then you see it in Nehemiah chapter 8, where they hold a solemn assembly at the end of, the, of Nehemiah 8. Joel 1 and 2 is probably the clearest picture of, of a day that's set aside. And the whole point, the word in Hebrew for solemn assembly means to abstain. And the idea was you stop everything, everything else set aside. So even what you normally would have excuses for, in this case, like being married or you're in the military and they have mm-hmm. these, okay, those are, those don't count anymore in Joel chapter 2. Everything is set aside for the purpose of seeking the favor of God. And, and so Joel, the book of Joel begins, have you ever seen anything like this? And, and so they, aware of the depth of their sin and, and the impending judgment coming from God. And so the, the spiritual awakening is that moment of, 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 of extreme repentance, confession, fasting, and, and commitment to the Lord, where, where Joel says, uh, or really God speaking through Joel, rend your hearts and not your garments and, and, and repent. And, and it's just that, that sense of that word to turn back to the Lord. And so the solemn assembly is, is that, that intensive experience where, where we set everything else aside for the purpose of focusing on God. Interesting. So it's like a Sabbath of sorts. Yeah, something like that. Interesting. Cool. Um, we'll have to do a, an episode where you just talk about your your um, uh, dissertation yeah. and, and all that. I think it'd be, it'd yeah, be, it'd be a for fun the, For the four dialogue. people that have read my dissertation, <laughs> yeah. that'll be exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get some more people to read it. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is going to be an interesting shift from that last question, but um, someone wanted to know what were some of your favorite things to do as a kid? Well, Growing up, my life was about sports. Uh, I I loved sports. I wanted to be involved in virtually every sport. And so seasonal, if it was football, basketball, baseball, whatever was, was, was a part of that. As I got into high school, uh, running be, became something of, of, of interest for me. Uh, and, and so most of my growing up, years my fun events were revolved around whatever seasonal sport i was involved right. in yeah i understand that yeah usually of course all you know back then we didn't have we didn't have video games and so everything right. you did you did outside and right. so yeah uh, we uh, for 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 a number of years uh, we grew up in and uh, we lived in a small town in, in in connecticut and so as a little boy i'd leave early in the morning and and i'd 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 hear my mom calling me back for dinner, and that, that's yeah. that's what we did. We were outside right. playing sports. The old saying, when the street light came on, <laughs> that's light when you on, had, you to, had come to come home. home. Yeah. Absolutely. Man, I, I definitely remember those days of being outside all hours. You know, especially in the summer, your parents would look at you like, what are you doing in here? Yeah, <laughs> so. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, you know, only about to be 32, but I still, I still remember those days too, because even growing up, there weren't cell phones for us either. Right. Necessarily. I mean, they were kind of on their way to being like what they are now, but I mean, I didn't have one and I would, I would, I would leave the house on a Saturday morning on my bike. I wouldn't come back until, you know, five, six in the evening. Well, it was probably a lot of your skateboarding too, was just getting out and just doing something. That's, I was gone all day. Right. Yeah. All day. So now we think about talking about that with Emily and about our kids. And I'm like, can you imagine like, yeah. Having them go somewhere and us not know where they are. Nope. She's like, no. Nope. Oh, <laughs> no. no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. But yet, I mean, I think about it because I grew up here in Mesquite. And yeah. as I drive, I think, wow, I used to ride my bike. I knew where I lived. Right. I lived over by Eastfield. And I think, wow, I rode my bike there. 
you know, as right. an elementary yeah. school kid, you yeah. know, you just think, wow. Yeah. I don't know how my parents like survived. mentally survived, not knowing where I was all day. It just didn't, I don't know, but it was just the way things were. I, I've even to go a step further to hear my dad talk about some of the things that he did knowing where he, cause he grew up here in Dallas and he was, he would tell me about like as a kid getting on the bus and going like from East Dallas over by Eastfield to Lancaster to, wow. um, I mean, I've, I know you guys know my family history of roller skating, but he would go right. to a skating rink over there. And I'm just, and it, it was like 10 or 12, you know? And I'm yeah. just like, it's just hard to fathom that. You didn't yeah. think anything was, about it. It was a different time. No, you right. just did it. You did it. And, and they, you know, the parents are like, oh yeah, okay, we'll see you later. You know, it was just a different be back time. for dinner. Yeah, be right. back for dinner. Yeah, be right. back before the light comes on. Well, Pastor Darren, we really appreciate you being Thank on you. today and answering these questions. Any final words? Uh, I would just say uh, it is a delight for Jay and for me to be here. Uh, I told someone recently that I just finished one month. at uh, So the 27th of this month, I was here one month as mm-hmm. pastor. Mm-hmm. And and so this this month has been really the, the sweetest of my ministry, just being a part of this fellowship and, and the welcome has been so kind. And so I'm just honored to be here. Thanks. Man, we're, we're happy and blessed that you're here. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. If what you have heard today has been helpful and encouraging to you, then please leave a review with five stars. If you'd also like to request future topics for discussion, then please email us at sfbclifeaftersunday at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us for this podcast, Life After Sunday, a podcast ministry from Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. We are delighted that you have joined us today. I want to make a special invitation to you to come be our guest this coming Sunday or any Sunday at Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. Our address is 3018 North Beltline. We would be delighted for you, for your family to come worship with us. Our Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9 o'clock. Our worship service starts at 1030. We have Sunday school for all ages. We would love to meet you, have you a part of our church family. We'll look forward to seeing you. It is my honor to serve as the pastor, and I'll look forward to seeing you at Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. Life After Sunday is a podcast brought to you by Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. I'm Ed Petty along with Aaron Allen. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and join us again next week on Life After Sunday.